Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Premier Podcast on Strength and Conditioning. I'm John. And Tex joining John. Yeah, we're on to answer some questions from the hotline. If you guys didn't know, we have this thing called the hotline and we submit or our viewers, people that listen, random people submit questions all the time to the hotline and it's always hot and the questions are always on fire. And we suggest on our training program feeds, if someone has a very in-depth question or programming specific, give you an answer, but also push you to call in or text in to our hotline. So that way we can turn it into a podcast and educate others. Yeah. And if you're interested in leaving a message on the hotline, you can always reach out to 929-464-4640. Also 929-ing-ing-0. So that's the number for the hotline and it's always hot. It's always open and you can leave us messages. A couple of them are a little strange, a little weird, but that's come to what we've expect from the Power Athlete Nation. And occasionally we get some gems like this one from our boy Fig from Newton. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey, crew. This is Fig from Newton Collins. I was on a Zoom today, and I noticed that my traps and neck were looking smaller than Tom Brady. And I can't have that. So uh, I have a couple questions about trap and neck training. Um, Why don't we roll the shoulders when we shrug? Why do my anatomy professors say wrestling bridges or neck bridges are terrible for you? And more importantly, how do you get big, juicy traps and necks? Bye. All right. There's more than a few things to unpack with our old boy Fig. One, uh, his neck and traps are probably looking mighty skinny because he has not been lifting weights like he should. And when I talk to him, hopefully every Friday or every other Friday, I remind him to not slide back into the pool of mediocrity in which he came. But I also know that Fig's in school. He's traversing. He's working. He's moving and shaking. And uh, he needs to focus his programming. And if big traps are in a thick neck or what he needs, and he's got to throw that at the forefront. For some context, Fig from Newton is a former intern of Power Athlete that spent six months with us. slaving when he came to us he was a wad of cookie dough and when he left he was a wad of cookie dough with (laughs) some chocolate chips no he he certainly improved dude he he lost a ton of weight fixed a back injury you know was just a a rudderless boat out just at you know at the wind and the currents uh you know whim and we know what we gave him direction we set him on a course we set him on a path and now fig is on his way to becoming the biggest Fig Newton he can become. That's right. Uh, he's set a name and now he's he's built some confidence and he wants to demonstrate that confidence. He needs to strengthen his neck to hold that newfound big head of his. <laughs> we had to knock him down a peg or two. It's like a big bucket, really. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I wrote an article about uh, traps and neck and why that training is so important, especially in relationship to concussions and football players. Um, I think really uh, doing some focused neck work is is really important. We have a neck strap we use, and then also there's a whole bunch of manual resistance protocols. But what I found 
some of the most important, you know, upper to back uh, development comes from being able to do pull-ups, doing dips, especially shrugs on the deep uh, dip ball or dip bars, uh, rack pulls and any type of shrugging and pulling movement. Uh, a lot of dynamic clean pulls, snatch pulls, anything you can. We, we do a bunch of uh, trap bar deadlifting, especially trap bar jumps, which uh-huh. involve a shrugging motion. But the other big one is I love, and this is by far one of my favorite trap upper back exercises, is to load up the safety squat bar, put the handles on it, and then shrug the bar off Ooh, your neck. I like that. So that's one of my favorites. But we, uh, we, before we get exercise specific and then into reps, I want to talk about the trap because this this was something in what we were talking about com- uh, concussions years ago. Yep. And I learned this and I didn't even think about it, that there are. The trap is long muscle and mm-hmm. there are three sections to it in almost different ways to approach training to each section of the trap where TC is looking at just his skinny pencil neck <laughs> and then his lack of the meat on his bones on the on his shoulders. There is so much more to that trap. And so why don't we get into that? The 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 full trap. I got a picture here if you, you need to get a little refresher. Yeah, so and your previous article, which I will link up in the show notes, you called it the buttresses of the neck. Yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, uh, it was pretty interesting. The people that I saw that had you know neck injuries and and especially like longer necks tended to have more issue. And if you have a longer neck, I mean, some guy's head just sits right on their shoulders. But what I figured out was that the traps are like effectively the shock absorber, the buttress for the neck. And that if you had strong traps and had done a ton of pulling in your life and had been very, and I'm going to say trap centric uh, in your training and smart about that upper back, all of a sudden concussions and stingers and a lot of those issues weren't necessarily the factor the same way. Now, I'll give you this caveat. If your head is turned and it gets loaded to the side, like you have a little transverse rotation and with a loading, especially a dynamic loading that you're not expecting, you're going to get a, a stinger. And that, that, that obviously happened to me. But I found that uh, it was kind of a, you know, like there were compound movements that were movements that I were doing in my training in terms of developing strength and musculature and athleticism that biased the trap, like, uh, you know, power cleans, power snatches, and some things where I was doing a lot of dynamic pulling, especially heavy deadlifts, RDLs and shrugs. And I've always done a ton of shrugs. The other one came from being able to do reverse shrugs off of the dip bars. Mm -hmm. So attacking these in different ways, but also the high volume amount of rows and really developing that upper, upper trap. And then even that mid back. Um, I also do like the old school neck strap. We have one and I, you know, try to get at least some reps on it every week. And then there's a whole manual resistance protocol that I have written up to be another course for neck training for uh-huh. power athlete. We obviously put out the foot. I think that there's a whole other course that we potentially will put out sometime in 2021 that involves just focusing on the neck for longevity and strength. And sticking with the, you called out the the high school wrestling neck and how they're, they're opposed to that. My argument there is they had a negative experience and they're not looking at it for the training focus. And I would view that as an isometric hold. Yep. So we can bridge, pun intended, the gap to successfully executing that with simple isometrics. One of my favorite tools to use with the field sports athletes that I work with is partner pillars. Mm -hmm. So imagine a normal, normal pillar set up elbows 
underneath your shoulders, hands in front of the elbows, straight line from your heels all the way through the top of your head in a neutral neck position. An objective within that you're using the trap to stabilize the head. Just have a partner add some pressure to the left, the right, the back, up, down, almost on the top of the head, pressing the full body in there and just keep them reacting to small amounts of force. You can have the teammate turn up the volume a little bit, but this is a non-weight-bearing opportunity to start to build up the proprioception and strength and stability for the wrestling neck. And then it's full, it's all planes of motion. Yep. Um, so that's one little tool. So again, I would not attack said movement. Think about how it's being coached and executed. This goes for anything really, but how it's being coached and executed to get into there. And you can take that same neutral neck position and maintain that. And then we add movement around it, which John was talking about some scap depressions and then scap elevations, reverse shrugs on the dip bar. Yeah. The other one too, when people think of the traps, they just think of like this top piece that you can see out the front. Uh, I'm never overly impressed by the traps that I can see in the front. I'm more interested in the trap I can see in the back. So uh, when we coached the barbell back squat, I always talked about bar at the base of the traps. Now, I know somebody's got some decent trap development when when I can actually physically see that line. And then when they put the bar there, I can see the trap kind of pushing over the top. That only comes from a ton of being able to do a lot of rowing this way. And then also uh, the other one, which if you want to hit the traps, the little trick to being able to hit the shrugs properly is to use dumbbells and to put a slight bend in the elbow. So when you bend in the elbow, you can actually get more extension and more flexion on the trap. So a little slight tip of the elbow, uh, bend of the elbow is how I've always found that the, uh, uh, dumbbell shrugs end up working better. And then within the program, uh, you guys will see this come up in Jack street and various programs. We do a lot of incline dumbbell, uh, uh, shrugs. So your chest is onto a 45 on the bench, arms are hanging down and we're working on working shrugs and rows. So I think it's a combination of being able to do shrugs in different planes of motion different angles, standing 45, uh, and doing a ton of rows, which, you know, we do obviously lap pull downs, uh, or, you know, pull ups, let's say, and, you know, seated rows, and then also a ton of supine rows. So I think all that rowing, especially hits that mid trap, that mid back. And then also, you know, with a lot of the dynamic and a lot of the heavy deadlifts, like, uh, you know, go look at anybody that pulls consistently heavy deadlifts, dude, they all have massive traps. Like it's very hard to not have some form of serious trap development with a big deadlift. Yeah. I was just watching it. David MCK tagged us in today's deficit deadlifts and, uh, it was heavy as hell, but he, he failed at the knees. So I'm going to call David MCK out. So he, he did all the hard work, the deficit pulling it up to his knees. Yeah. But you got to remember crap. Like there's two types of pullers, man. There's the people that are, are pretty easy from the ground to their knees and then they miss the, you know, the deal. Whereas I run into other people all the time. If I can crack it, I can pull it. So they either it's, so there's kind of two different pieces in it, but if you guys want to see some serious trap development, go back and look at like Ed Cohn from the eighties, uh, Eddie Cohn from the eighties doing some trap work, uh, dude just, you know, had a monster deadlift, but take a look at, uh, you know, a bunch of the, um, you know, Olympic lifters. I mean, 
you know, for the most part, you look at guys like a, you know, classic example, you're talking about wrestling bridges. If you guys do a little quick Google search, you can check out and look at Mike Tyson used to post some video. Well, they post them now. They're from back in the day when he was actually doing his, uh, the, uh, uh, like the wrestling bridges uh-huh. where he was rolling back and forth on the back of his neck and like on his head in his position. And you're thinking, how is this dude not snapping his neck? And then you take a look and do Tyson's his neck, was neck is wider. thicker than his head. Yeah. yeah, it was wider than his head. And why did he need that? Dudes were trying to knock his head off. And if you want to make sure that you don't get your head knocked off, it helps to have a big, thick neck. Yeah. And I mean, I never saw a Mike linebacker that could hit for shit that didn't have a big neck. Yeah. Like if I looked at my first thought right now is Zach Thomas and just watching him on Zach Thomas, Texas uh, Tech, Miami, and then Dallas. uh, The other guy was um, AJ Hawk. Uh, AJ Hawk. Dude, he not only had the neck, but he also had like the jaw that looked like it was carved out of stone. I mean, I I can just think of all the different linebacker guys. I'd look up there and you could just see this big, thick neck. And those dudes had the ability to be able to put their head on you and hit you in interesting ways. And I, I really think that that's an important part. But I also... It comes from doing some focus training that involves uh-huh. a ton of pulling, ton of shrugs, and just being able to really put some focus work into it. The also within you had uh, different angles. Also, the orientation you talked about angles within the body. How about the orientation that plays an important role into this? The the Kelso shrugs mm-hmm. versus the what else would we go? Uh, supine scap depression so talk about the the different orientations that you need to be in is one more difficult than the other how does that change the trap uh when when you're standing i think that there's more of that kind of upper trap uh when we get into a 45 and especially when you're face down now we're kind of hitting more of that kind of mid back uh you know that kind of mid trap uh what you see kind of a little bit down like right above the erectors and then when we start getting into a ton of like supine rolling, when your chest is up and we, and do we do a ton of that? Um, it was pretty interesting years ago when I got contracted by CrossFit to put out CrossFit football, one of the problems, and if you guys um, are fans of power athlete and follow the methodology, that one of the primal movement patterns is several seven primal patterns. The four for the upper body is a horizontal row. And mm-hmm. at the time there were, there was really no horizontal row in CrossFit. It was, rowing on a C2, which isn't a weighted row. (laughs) So I threw in supine ring rows Uh into our program, super heavy, because I needed that other plane of motion. And it just wasn't one of those movements that was just very used very often in CrossFit, but yet was super heavy within the CrossFit football power athlete model. And with the dawn of Field Strong, we created that opportunity to include more warm-up actions that execute here. And then one of the tests we did very early, and I remember our phone conversation about this when we're trying to figure out different tests, was the bent over row. Yeah. And what was the aim? How close should your bent over row be to your bench press? I thought it was a one to one. Whatever you bench, you should be able to bend over row. Now, uh, I've seen some people that obviously maybe could be. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's something to strive for. If you bench 405, you should be able to do a, a 405 single for a bent over row. Now. There's two different types of bent over rows. So there's the bent over row where the bar starts and finishes on the ground. You start with a good flat back and you pull the bar and you bring it back down. Or there is what's known as the Yates row, which unfortunately everybody assumes is a bent over row. Bent over row, the bar starts and finishes on the ground and you keep a good flat back. The Yates row is a little different. You basically stand up with the weight like you're doing a deadlift, RDL, whatever it is. And then you lower down. 
you know, into like an RDL top of the knee and you pull the bar back into, you know, back into the gut, into the hip. And, uh, you know, Dorian Yates was the guy that made those famous and he really credited that movement. And it's, it's pretty funny when I see people like doing bent over rows, I'm like, call it for what it is. It's a, it's called a Yates row and it's the way we knew the difference. So we knew the difference between bent over rows and we also knew the difference between Yates rows and we don't program the Yates row, but I feel like after this podcast, we'll probably throw some video up and maybe add that into the repertoire. Yeah. I know we haven't filmed have executed. I I was first introduced to those during a Raphael Ruiz session, and that blew my 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 lats up, my back up. Well, it's pretty. Um, when you look at where people pull, and I and this is something that whenever I program one arm dumbbell rows, right? So I'm always pretty fascinated oh, by yeah. like one arm dumbbell rows. The position, you know, normally, you know, some people like to kneel on the bench. I don't like to do it that way. I usually like to get it from a bilateral standpoint you know, kind of lean over, put one hand on the rack and then I row. But what happens a lot of times is people pull the dumbbell real high. What I like to do is kind of pull it back and I'll do a set here. I'll do a set here and I'll pull it high. And I try to hit different angles. Like I'm trying to pull it into my hip. I'm trying to pull it back. And I found that, uh, especially getting a good stretch and really fighting for that eccentric load. And I think if you're trying to put on muscle and you're not focusing on the eccentric load, you're leaving gains on the table. So let's go back to getting rid of the bench and hitting with a bilateral with one hand on the rack. We filmed this movement initially 2014 with our athletes set up on the bench. Yep. And then you made it a point recently to let's get rid of that. Well, was this <sighs> your training experience or watching other people execute this and realizing now nah, that um, don't fly, don't fly right. So <sighs> I, I'm going to hate to admit this. But when we were putting the catalog together and I needed some movements filmed, I wasn't there when Luke was filming them. And I think he defaulted to it with the knee, which is more of a conventional way. Like if you were to Google search or if you were to look on YouTube and say, hey, you know, how do you do a one arm dumbbell row? A lot of people would do it kneeling on the bench. What we found or at least what I found was uh, there were some problems in terms of internal bracing. And um, I was you know, hearing some anecdotal stuff about people uh, having her- hernias and straining their abdominals. I never had any issues. I had uh, did it both ways, but I found that actually standing bilateral, I could get more extension on the bottom side. And this, this is an important thing. You shouldn't feel bad about that because if you're on one of our training programs, on Train Heroic, all of the movements have videos from Power Athlete. We need you to watch those and not just assume based off that name, you know how to do this. Even if you are an experienced athlete in the field, lifter, coach, especially, watch the videos because yeah. there's certain there's, specific there's nuance. nuance to this and instruction and coaching points for you to, to feel or focus on execution that go a long way for the specific reason that those movements are chosen and put in order on the program. Yep. So the, um, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of different ways to attack it. You can even do bilateral, you can stagger stance. So, uh, but yeah, that one arm dumbbell row has always been a big staple. I'm also a big fan of the Meadows row that we use with the landmines. I posted a video of me doing those the other day. Yeah. I constantly am hitting those. You know, putting on smaller plates, trying to get as much range of motion extension, pulling it high. 
And, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm still kind of stuck in this rehab thing a little bit, but I feel like I'm turning the corner, uh, you know, being able to be real back heavy so much so that I ended up moving all my back stuff to Monday because, uh, all my PT stuff for my shoulders on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I'm trying to get more of my back training earlier in the week so I can hit it twice. And it seems to have helped. Um, I think there was two things that I look back on my NFL career that I avoided that other people didn't. One was neck injuries and back injuries because I did so much training within the neck and the traps and the pulling and just banging heavy weights. Uh, I think that really helped me. And then all the daily trunk training, if you guys mm-hmm. are following a power athlete program, you are doing some form of trunk movement almost every single day. If you're following Johnny bod and Johnny wide, it's multiple times a day. Um, you know, we're working on the feet, but that trunk training and working on, you know, isometric contractions, dead bugs, being able to move limbs independent of each other while bracing and tr- and being able to maintain a good organized midsection. I think that piece in terms of load and also transverse plane being able to load this way was why I didn't have the same back injuries. And I, I'll tell you this, I saw good players and their careers very quickly due to some really debilitating back injuries. So I was kind of a little nervous on that. Um, you know, I ended up with a, you know, shoulder injury and a knee injury, but, uh, for the most part, my neck's pretty damn good and my back is solid. While we're on injuries, why, and this is part of TC's question, oh, Fig from Newton, sorry, bro. The, sh- the, the action, the rolling of the shoulders during the shrug, very uh, common execution in the Globo world. Yeah. So what that's doing is it's basically you're taking your shoulder, you know, the humorous head, and you're jamming it in there by <laughs> shrugging it up, and then you're rolling it through. And that is a very unnatural movement. So if you are going to shrug your shoulder, you bring it straight up and down. The idea of shrugging the shoulder up and then smashing it and grinding it into the uh, um, into the clavicle and up in there, not a very good movement to do. Yes. And if we break down the action of the trap within there, right, we're hitting some elevation and uh, elevation and active depression with some protraction and retraction in there, you can execute those as the elevation, as the depression, in as the pieces. protraction and retraction to get your purpose of hitting the upper fibers, the middle or the lower, right? Where you're trying to do this, that's causing the the rotator cuff well, the shear. The idea was that you were trying to train all parts of the trap at once. Right. So the idea of like, I'm going to shrug elevation, then I'm going to roll into that, into the, um, into that kind of mid back trap. Uh, there's a, I guess you could call the top, the middle and the lower trap. But what we saw was a ton of shoulder injuries. And more importantly, if I ever walk into a global gym and I see somebody doing that, I know that they're a fucking noob and they're brand new and they have gotten terrible advice from somebody. Terror, terrorist rules in effect. See something, say something. Yep. You see something, say something. So, uh, but also don't be the dude who's over there offering unsolicited advice at the globo. Unless somebody stinks, just let them, just kind of let them go. If they ask for help, I've asked for help. It's been a while since I've been to the Globo. So the, what, uh, what I want to get it and close down with is now rep schemes. Mm -hmm. So TC is in a position where, okay, we gave him the tools. We gave him some actions, some movements to execute now for how many reps? Um, I found personally that I had better response to trap and neck work 
when there was a combination of higher reps. So I found, you know, for some of the dynamic pulling stuff, being able to do some higher reps was good. Um, but I also, you know, like single doubles and triples, I never really noticed, you know, too much trap development from it. I, I looked at more kind of classical bodybuilding and those guys tend to train heavier in a higher rep range, eight to 10, eight to 12, eight to 15. Uh, you know, we used to do, uh, like a gnarly, you know, 12 to 15 rep, uh, star shrugs. Yeah. You know, and those were always done. We, you know, we, well, we, Johnny Wad knows all about that. Yeah. Well, that was a fun one. So we were doing basically hang power cleans up to like 315. And then when we couldn't get those anymore, we had like a 12 to 15 rep set final, basically doing the star shrug, which was just a power clean that you couldn't actually turn over. So out, normal out, for me. Yeah. yeah. Out of the rack. And, uh, man, that was one of those things where you're like, your traps would just explode. So, um, I remember Dr. Tom tell me years ago that, the there's more motor units in the trap than any other muscle. So when you, uh, and he, he just made an anecdotal, like you can always kind of notice when, um, like, you know, like newer athlete or like newer people start taking performance enhancing drugs. The traps are by far the fastest growing of the muscles. So if you ever spot a dude who's like, looks okay, but his traps are like way overdeveloped. He's pretty early on in that thing. And like, I always thought that uh, that was boy Anderson. Who? John Anderson. John Anderson. Oh, well those aren't, uh, just dude, his whole body's developed, but right. I think he, he's got some synthol in there, uh, which is a injectable oil that causes some inflammatory and just looks like a massive cartoon. Right. Deep water. John's yeah. fucking great. Oh, he's, what, what podcast it was he on, dude? I which love two, dude? He I'll was to look that up. He was great. If we ever get a chance to go out and hang out with that dude, uh, I love him. I think he's fucking hilarious. Yeah, we can all look that up. How do we sum this up, John? I, I got my points here, but all right. So to sum it up, uh, you're going to have to do uh, some dedicated neck work. Um, I like a combination of not only uh, manual resistance, but also some um, uh, isometrics in different positions. And then you got to have a varied routine of that involves heavy and pulling, which is going to be some upper trap, some mid trap and some lower trap. And then we're going to change different angles. You can do it standing. You can do it supine. And I like a lot of the 45 stuff, especially, you know, face down in, uh, you know, on a 45 bench. And, you know, we hit uh, shrugs, we hit flies, we hit a bunch of different movements in that direction. And that all hits that, that trap. And that is my closing point. Develop awareness. Use, even though you're targeting your traps, TC, use this still as a tool and a vessel to develop your athleticism. So change your torso angle. As John mentioned, your orientation face up, face down vertical find different ways to target your or traps. you can just follow a power athlete program and also stack true. a little johnny bod in there oh yeah and if you guys want to learn more about johnny bod just go check out johnnywad.com scroll down you'll see johnny wad johnny bod you can stack johnny bod on any program any power athlete program any cal strength program any program that you're following on true. train heroic would be epically better. Now, the best in the business, power athlete and all of there are different programs. But if by some odd chance you're listening to this and you might follow another program, stack a little J bot on there. Yeah. And we're talking 10 to 15 minutes, about seven to eight sets. So it's broken up into two different body yeah, parts. So, yeah, I hit two different body parts a day. It alternates uh, one of the, you know, it's, it alternates with uh, with calf, lower leg, foot, and trunk. And then we hit different body parts. It hits arms, it hits shoulders, we'll hit uh uh, you know, chest and a bunch of different ones back yeah, traps, 10 to 15. And you 
can use but don't need a barbell. So if it's something that you want to finish out your day or start your day with, with, uh, I don't know, milk jugs, Mr. Raw Milk TC. Yeah, or, or cinder blocks. He's driving around with oh, cinder blocks. baby, and, third monkey, get dude, in there. Dude, he could just fill his trunk in his Toyota Camry or his uh, Honda Accent or whatever he's rolling around in. Just throw a couple cinder blocks. When he gets stuck in traffic, just get out and get a little shrug on. Why not? The episodes with John Anderson, the awesome deep water method, one five seven initially when we first met each other and then one nine five i feel like we got to bring him back in the 400 too yeah we'll reach we out gotta bring him out from the deep and get it after tc you got enough you got your little tom brady burn on i'm sorry you left your new england team <laughs> well you know that's uh that's a real problem you know uh new england's like the like gilded ex-boyfriend staring at the the prom queen and you know out in the middle of the dance floor from like a you know a dark corner you know just being like ah oh, let's it was tom brady this whole time and not belichick well tc himself is maybe two, 24 25 he's lived his whole conscious life a it, winner yeah with tom brady and now he's faced with i mean this is standard houston texan detroit lion <laughs> yeah. type of year brother get used to it uh, do you think the Patriots will rebound? I sure hope so for TC and uh, Fig Newton. Uh, no, I'm, I'm well-documented best friend is a Boston fan, and he gives me shit just for the whole Houston existence, no matter the sport. So I am rooting against them forever just to spite. Well, and we'll that's see. the kind of friendships that I appreciate. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us on another episode of Power Athlete Radio. If you want to hit that hotline, 929-464-4640. 929-ing-ing. Zero. Reach out. Leave us a message on the hotline. It's always hot. It's always ready. And you can drop us a text. You can leave us a message. What is this, Johnny Watt? And on, <laughs> and on occasion, you can send us smoke screens. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!